All right, Anne. Are you ready for the girls episode of Sunstone? Because yes. I I got to tell for you, girlfriend. Please, please <laughs> Buckle do. Buckle up. So, I feel like Mm-hmm. your horniness may have bled onto me just a teeny tiny little bit with literature and mm-hmm. so there I was mm-hmm. minding my business scrolling TikTok as a 21 year old woman does yes mm-hmm. spending way too much time and I come across this woman who is advertising her new genre of books that Ooh. she released mm-hmm. into the web into the webernet and it may or may not have been those spooky, scary mafia kink books. <laughs> I know, I'm embarrassed already. I'm embarrassed. It's keep, definitely a keep genre. Rolling. But yeah, let's hear it. Yep. <laughs> and they caught my attention. Me being myself, toodled over to my Audible app, downloaded the first one, which, mind you, that I forgot at the time, is my mother's <laughs> Audible app. And it is attached to her credit card. Oh, no. Luckily, luckily, if those of you who use the Audible app, you know we have credits. We get credits. They don't charge the credit card. So I used a credit to buy the first book. Didn't think anything of it. Listened to it. Great. 10 out of 10 would recommend. But then, then I get a text from my mother. Goes, did did you buy a, a book on Audible recently? And I go... Yes, yes, I did, mother. Thank you. And she goes, Oh, okay, good. I just, I just didn't want to make sure that nobody hacked our account because heaven forbid, I know I wouldn't buy a book like that. And I said, Oh my god, mother. And and then I go, Yep, yep, that was me. Yep, I don't want to have this conversation with you. And she goes, Wow, it's just kind of spicy. Mother, my sweet Elias little mother. And then I kid you not, I wanted to crawl into a hole and die. And I thought that was the end of it. I thought when I told you that's the end of it, I thought it was. But also, I work on Thursdays with my mother. It's just the two of us in the office. So I come in and she goes, So do we need to like have a conversation about the kind of books that you're buying for yourself? at the same time that I'm reading this freaking book, Sunstone. And I was like, mother, if you only knew the books that your son was reading, you'd think that we'd all need to go to hell. If you only knew. If you only knew the picture books. I was like, I have picture books that are worse than this right now. Leave me alone. Oh my god. Well, I'm... I just... That's that's definitely something. It's great. it's great. Just so glad my mom never found out I read this book. Anyway, hi, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> Moms, if you're listening, please don't. Please don't. Go away. Leave. Please. This is your final warning. Yeah. Moms, grandmas, aunts and uncles, dads, cousins named Jaren. <laughs> I will never regret telling my grandma about the show. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways, if you are interested in what we just talked about, even to the slightest degree, you will love this part two of our shenanigans with our lovely book this week. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Roll that music.
everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the podcast where we talk about comic books or graphic novel or something. I'm your host, <laughs> Dallas. Oh, wait, hold on. That's not it. I'm Anne. I'm Alexis. The greater of the two are here. We kicked him out oh, again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Undoubtedly. This is the second time we've gotten to do a girls only episode and it's fantastic we all know that these are the best episodes so yeah let's roll um we are back today talking a book that we talked about last week but now we have the full conversation we are on to our sunstone discussion part two and yeah this is a little late sorry we got it a little late but we finally got everything to work out there was a lot of you know fun technical stuff behind the scenes but yeah, everything computer is computer exploded yeah thank you literally exploded took out an entire wall yep. it's it was everywhere it was very Dead. messy Dead. we're lucky that lexi got out with her life it's <laughs> just... yep drama so for anyone who is just tuning in i highly recommend you go check out that first part first because that's that's how we do things we're not star wars we don't do the later things first um (laughs) go check that out to get like the whole the gist of it but i guess if you just want to stay here for us which is understandable i wouldn't want to put up with dallas either Uh, yeah right um (laughs) sunstone is a comic by stapon sage and i hope i said i always hope i say that correctly i know i'm not fingers crossed type of situation i just yeah i just (laughs) Love him. Just going to say his last name because I know I can say Sage. <laughs> That's, I can do that. Um, it is a comic that stars a webcomic that is about these two women who get together to scratch this certain um, kinky itch, you could say, with each other. And then they realize, oh, shoot, I've fallen in love with this other woman. And it's about them coming to terms with this relationship, their romance, their love. And just all the kind of themes that go along with that, including trust and um, honesty. And yeah, that's that's about it. All wrapped up in this nice kinky package. So oh, lovely. <laughs> lovely. It's, you cannot pitch this book in a great way. No. But it's just... <laughs> um, I already no. talked about what I thought about the book. Lexi, we... I'm dying to know, and everyone else is too, what did you think about Sunstone? Well, Anne, you were on the other end of the infamous, this is the best book I've ever read. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it is eight in the morning for everybody that's curious. Yeah. <sighs> but this is, in fact, the my favorite comic that we have ever read, that anybody has ever twisted my arm into reading for this podcast, just because I, I hate to say it, but I am a hopeless romantic. I am proud of it. Mm-hmm. I will cry for no damn reason. But this comic, because I mean, you can't help but go into it with the mentality of like, ooh, <laughs> like what are, you, what are they reading? But it tricks you. It gets you. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you think this is what you're here for, but surprise, you actually don't get any of that. Surprise, <laughs> you just get the icky, lovey stuff instead. <laughs> It's lovely. It tricks you into liking it. It tricks you. It's. I. Th- I keep thinking about that page in volume one where she like starts the story for the first time. She's like, "This is a story about love, romance," and then she cuts and like, "Wait, no, there's hot lesbian bondage." Sex. <laughs> She's like, "Wait, I promise." <laughs> she says, "There, got your attention, you yeah, bunch exactly. of pervs." It's true. It's and true. Yeah, that's so true for what the story is. It it brings you in with that. That's the pitch, and that's like what it's known for, right? Just like the. Like, whew, I gotta fan myself. What is mm-hmm. going on? Clutch your and pearls, then, like, ah, ah. 
clutch, clutch your pearls. Like, do we need to have a talk about what you're reading? Heavens, <laughs> Lisa. Heavens. It is, it is not a church book. But no. then you start reading it and you realize, like, this is not what I thought that I was here for. This is something much deeper, something much more intricate. And I think it owes so much to those characters. What did you think about the characters in this book? Oh, they're all just so lovable. Like, every single mm-hmm. one of them, I'm like, ah, I love you. Even the stupid older brother that's life is a wreck. Yep. I'm like, yeah, you're great. <laughs> I just want to slap him the whole I know, time. I'm like, bro, shit together. Just talk to your wife, damn it. Just it's that simple. <sighs> we'll get there when we get there. But <laughs> all of them, like all, I mean, our main group. Of course, we have our lovely Allie. We have our lovely Lisa. Our, it's ironic she's my mother's name, but oh, there's just everyone in this book. It's everyone it's IRL great. in this book. <laughs> it's just so addicting. Like I read it so fast, and I was so distraught. Because the first time we tried to record this episode, I, so for anybody that doesn't know, I am an esthetician. I work in the service industry. I worked two weeks straight of 12 hour shifts for stupid freaking Valentine's Day. And if I ever have to celebrate that holiday ever again, I will commit a crime. But (laughs) I did not get to read as much as I wanted to. And so I texted everyone. I was like, hey. I am not done yet. I am so sorry. I have read as fast. I woke up at five this morning to read this comic so that I could be on time, but I still didn't make it. So we, I was, even I surprised myself with how fast I blew through these volumes, but I feel, I still feel like I got it. Like I was so engrossed with these characters these women these relationships that they were building mm-hmm. and it just was so like it had that mix of really fun and then also really vulnerable with both of with both of our leads at least mm-hmm. and I just loved it I thought they were such endearing characters and I quite honestly would read anything that they were in so this is fun oh i'm so glad you say that because we got the um we got the like um the, the crazy greek sex book that he did too that has like succubi and incubi in it that they appear in for like two pages because like him and his wife write comics together and all their characters are in one shared universe with each other mm-hmm. and she writes a comic called Punderworld, which is kind of like um oh what's the um lore olympus going on right now it's kind of like that uh, i love that book um yeah <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's like it's really funny to me thinking reading sunstone and thinking hades actually exists in this universe that's kind of crazy but it's i'm yeah i'm getting your attention i'll I'll, trust me i will send you the links um intrigued i'm intrigued i'm really glad you brought up that the characters were like just very out there and vulnerable in this book i feel like that's such a common theme with this because that's something you have to be when you're being like in a relationship and you're being honest you have to have that trust you have to be open vulnerable and yeah especially with stuff like this it's something people don't talk about because it requires you having that level of vulnerability that level of trust with someone and to see that like on the page it's something is almost and sometimes for me it's harder to read than like the actual sex stuff because it's just like so uncomfortable sometimes to be so honest with another person and that's a lot about what this what makes this book special to me, anyways. Lexi's saying hi to someone in the back. <laughs> I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Put a pin in that. Put a pin. I will explain in a moment. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh. But yeah, I. This was just. I. This was just such a fun book. I have so many thoughts that I feel like I need to like put in order in my mind, but. Also, I also remember texting you specifically when we were introduced to you in the comic. <laughs> I feel like I could have gotten a warning for that. I was I, like, oh, yeah. who are you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just the way of evening things out. We had Dallas in Sex Criminals and we had me in this one. So true. No one will ever find me in a comic. <laughs> Never. Today. Not once. Once once we do though, we'll oh. we will let you know. It'll be all we talk about for a week. <laughs> oh. oh heavens. Okay, I think they're upstairs now. So story time. I'm in my yeah. basement, okay, of my parents' home. Mm-hmm. I don't live here anymore. They knew I was coming. Okay. <laughs> Keep that in mind. <laughs> they were in their hot tub. I didn't see them, thank heavens. Because I do not think. <laughs> I would have liked it if I saw them out oh there. <laughs> they want to get mad at me for reading kinky books while they are living in kinky books on their back porch. <laughs> the hot, no. Oh my god. You should have seen the look on my dad's face when he just saw me. <laughs> I can't, Lexi, no. Oh my gosh, I'm mortified. That was the funniest thing I think I've ever witnessed. Both of them go. <laughs> Okay. Well, heavens. heavens. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, Dallas. Who's editing that. this? <laughs> oh, this this whole book has just cursed us. It's, it's just true. like we are going to be- help, but just blush and giggle every once in a while. <laughs> this is the blush and giggle book. It is. It really is. Yeah. And on purpose. There's so much humor in this book. It's just it's true. Some of my it's favorite so moments from any comic that just make me laugh out loud every time are in this book. It's true. They like really did like give you the splash of humor with it too. Like mm-hmm. they're freaking funny. They're the Alan. Alan is the best character. Nobody can change my mind. <laughs> Love that yeah. man. Alan is something else. His like relationship with Allie, I mentioned yeah. it in the other episode. It's like very like a brother sister type thing where it's just yeah. like they're always trying to one up each other. And I think that's that's so great. And it also, I think it's a really great to show, like, a relationship that started kind of romantically but ended on good terms. I think that's important because we don't see that a lot. Yeah, that's true. Like, we usually get, like, the burn everything down, kick you in the dirt type of Mm -hmm. breakups, which, I mean, relatable. But, (laughs) like, we need – there are people who are civil. Mm -hmm. I am not one of those people, but I can appreciate the ones that are. So (laughs) – here's to civility alan you're better than we could ever be (laughs) it's true true. oh but (laughs) going back to me for a second um what what did you think about Anne in this book i could not i feel like as someone reading this book for the first time Mm -hmm. you cannot help but put yourself in Anne's shoes a hundred percent like she basically is you like the in the reader's sense as well like Mm -hmm. in the story like she has never experienced this before doesn't really know where to start doesn't know what's real what's not because like Mm -hmm. there is a very taboo world around this topic Mm -hmm. and I thought I mean and with anything I mean we know 
like for to use an example, my mother is terrified of manga. Who knows why? <laughs> there's, there's reason. There's reasons because there's yeah. scary ones. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. And so it's just the same thing. Like there's scary ones of everything. Everyone has a crazy person that is involved in their group, which is fine. But it's just so funny to. Because specifically, there's a conversation with Anne and Allie about like, oh, that's just, that's the internet. Like, that's not what, that's not even what this really is, what we're doing. And I just felt like using that character to show us like, oh, yeah, like they used Anne to dip all of our toes in, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And I really liked oh, yeah. it. I thought that was clever. Yeah, I did too. That's like the thing that I really appreciate about it. Because it's like just the first couple volumes, it's specifically about like, Lisa and Allie and their relationship mm-hmm. with this but both the characters were already kind of versed in this world before so you needed for those other people I think to really get sucked into the story you needed that viewpoint you needed that that entryway mm-hmm. because with something this taboo just having really soft relatable characters isn't going to do much if you don't really share the same point of view on the subject you know they yeah. already have that experience that you as the reader prob- maybe don't you know yeah like so, we can't relate because yeah. we've never seen it, never experienced it. Mm-hmm. Like, we, it's not our realm. But to have a character that's like that as well and have them explain it to her is like them explaining it to you, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah. And I think that's going to be... Because going forward, the next arc in the story is specifically about Anne and about Alan. So mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see... Because I know he posts so many, like, snippets of, like, future stuff that we know basically where it's going so i'm very interested to see Anne's relationship with like bondage and bdsm in her relationship with alan going forward because i know that's going to be a huge theme it hasn't so far because in the two volumes we've read it's mostly just about Anne discovering her own bisexuality which mm-hmm. is really great really interesting on its own but they haven't really gotten together yet and that's mm-hmm. the part i'm like sitting here waiting for they were like and- tiptoeing around each other oh yeah and we got and- like some funny like panels of them like in the middle of something and then and they'd be like oh wait wait we'll get there we'll get there put a pause on that yeah like the little hints it's like they're like meant for each other where they just like missing each other by that much (sighs) i i told dallas this too but reading this as it was going on for like the last eight years of my life um that's one of the things like you know that ann and alan end up together eventually that's something you just know and him dropping those like every couple months those little hints they're like so frustrating she's like i just want these two to meet i want to see what they're like and then they finally meet and they're like hey dork and you're like wait what (laughs) they know each other this is no hold on wait a damn minute (laughs) that's just like one of one of the ways they undermine the expectations which is i think fantastic especially because they spend so much time building them up as individuals to Mm -hmm. like you cannot help but love them both so when they get together you're like "Ah, you did it again you sly bastard (laughs) i think that's that's gonna be so cool to explore because yeah you're right he did build them both up individually first Mm -hmm. so seeing them together i feel like they're gonna be such a different dynamic than what we got with Allie and lisa Mm -hmm. which by the way, do we want to talk about the main characters for a second? I feel like yeah, we jumped I to the mean, side characters first. Maybe we should. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Just a little bit. They're, they're, you know, it's kind of important. Let's... It's true. <laughs> I couldn't help but dye my hair dark after reading about Allie, so. <laughs> just kidding. That's not why I did it, but Dallas made fun of me. Did he? Okay, that makes he sense. He thought it. Mm-hmm. I saw it in his eyes. 
see, see you in the but the hair the scene where she gets her hair cut and she's just like yay yes, yeah yeah that's, just that's she's like word. you get your hair dyed you're like yay I'm like oh no <laughs> I keep calling it my party city wig because I don't believe it's attached to my head for anyone wondering I, I have been blonde my whole life mm-hmm. and now I am a dark chocolate brown and I am not used to it yet so within a week oh it, it looks good it looks it, good i like it it just is funny because i like it's, it's strange when i wake up in the morning i look like if you've ever seen a party city wig that's what it looked like in the morning i look like a psychopath <laughs> no comment i can't no comment. Uh, between ali and lisa did you have a favorite of the two one that you related to maybe more than the other <sighs> hmm I don't know. I feel like I relate to them with different sides of my personality, if that makes sense. Because I am a very, I don't want to say fake because that just means myself, but (laughs) I put on a charade of being a very like tough, emotionless person. Mm -hmm. I feel like when Allie is in her Dom persona, like that's what she does. And you can like, we get bits and pieces down the line of like Lisa kind of not picking it apart, but like noticing those things mm-hmm. of like, oh, she was nervous. Like I looking back now, I can tell now like that first experience, like she had that persona on and it wasn't quite real. And I feel like I really attached to that specifically with her. And I was like, oh, I do that. Like I do that too. Like I put on I mean, not to compare what they're doing to my work, but um, mm-hmm. like I put on, we call it like our customer service voice. Like it's a persona that's our work voice. And like we talk differently and we do things differently because we have to. Like it's, and I just thought it was so funny to like see that in this aspect too, which was really mm-hmm. fun. And I don't know, I feel like it kind of created a depth to her of like, excitement to see what she's actually going to be like too because like she's just a flaming nerd like the rest of us so <laughs> loved it i thought it was great oh i love all the scenes where she's playing video games and just like raging out <laughs> the whole time screaming i'm like yeah, that's that's a mood yeah by the way those characters that she was playing the game with those are characters from sage's um wife's comic <gasps> from i yeah. did not know that yeah they're from a book by linda sage and it's called bloodstain Linda. Linda. Oh, sly devils. Look at them. They are really good at sneaking shit in. They are really good at that. And I think I think that's so wholesome that they're just like, that's so cute. we're going to include each other on yeah. everything. That's mm-hmm. so nice. That's fun. Oh, so fun. But I really I really like what you said about relating to both of them because I feel like they both have those those moments that you cling to and like, least. Like, um, for me, like, Lisa's this great character who I relate to because we're both writers. We're both, like, creatives in that way. We're both kind of, like, shy people. And just there's so much there that I relate to. But also, I like the that you brought up that Allie kind of wears that mask when she needs mm-hmm. to because that's also very, very much relatable. Yeah. And that, 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 like, nervousness of, like, her trying to do things for the first time and not really sure if she's going to, you know, be great yeah. at it. Very, very relatable. Yeah, I feel like everybody kind of has a sense of that. Like, oh, I've talked about doing this thing for such a long time. But when it actually comes, like, there is a sense of fear that comes with it and nervousness. And I feel like they portrayed that really well of being able to show, like, oh, she's able to do this thing 
because she's paired with someone so great. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really fun is because they bring out those, not necessarily vulnerabilities, but like they're able to put everything out on the table and they, their partner mm-hmm. accepts it graciously, which I think is really cool. Because my favorite thing about Lisa, I would say, and that I kind of attached with was um, because I consider myself so much like Allie, I have a really hard time being vulnerable, if that makes sense. Yeah. And to see, I mean, like, this is the extreme <laughs> of a submissive partner. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of nice to be like, oh, you, like, you can be that too. Like, you can be a fully successful, wonderful, strong person and still want to feel that way with your partner. And I thought that that was really cool too, because I feel like in my mind, I've put myself in a box for such a long time of like, oh, I have to always be at hundred percent like tough mm-hmm. that like, oh no, like when I'm at home, like when I'm with my person, like it's okay to be soft and like gentle. And I, like we break down those walls even more the farther we go with the both of them. Mm-hmm. So I really, I really like that as well. Yeah. That's it's such a good thing that I think this comic does so well is just showing how they evolve, not just as characters, but with each other as this goes on. Because I feel like as it goes on and the more vulnerable and exposed they are with each other, the more they find out about themselves, which I think is something really, really cool. Like if Allie hadn't had these moments of vulnerability with like Lisa and then later with like Alan, just kind of talking to her friends, being exposed and just like working through some things i don't think she ever would have realized that she was gay you know like she's (laughs) it's something that's very relatable for me where it's like there's all the signs there but she isn't able to like admit it to herself because that requires there's an honesty you need with other people but there's also an honesty you require with yourself and i feel like finding that in someone else helps you find that inside yourself because if she hadn't had that experience with Lisa, I don't think she ever would have been able to admit to herself like, hey, I'm a lesbian. This is this is who I am. This is just what makes sense. Because she was perfectly fine just kind of rolling with things. And I love that when she's with Alan and just has this moment of realization on the couch, she's like, oh my God, I'm gay. And he and goes, Alan's uh, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that too. I was like, okay, rude, rude. <laughs> Watch your mouth. It's like we all knew. <laughs> we've been new. We just didn't. We've been in the know. All right, come on. He's like, you made me wear lipstick all the time. We're not going to talk about this. <laughs> I forgot about that. I love how much they harass each other. I I love like, it. Too. I hate to say it, but I minus the the weirdness, but. <laughs> Dallas and I's relationship is so similar to like their banter with each right? other. And I just think it's so funny. Like I cannot help but be like, yeah, okay. That's something Dallas would say to me. Like, yeah, okay. He'd kick me while I'm down. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm so, I could definitely see a lot of similar banter going on between me and my siblings. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's just that, a thing. It's just, the relationship they have which is so so sweet yeah and it's one of those books that i'm I'm reading the whole time and i just kind of want to scream at them because i'm like you absolute idiots yeah they're so honest and vulnerable about like this shared fetish they have 
but they can't be the same way with their heart for the longest time. And that's, that's the frustrating thing. Yeah. But like, it's so true to have that too. Like when Mm -hmm. you're really falling in love with someone that you in your mind shouldn't be, Mm -hmm. it's such a funny dynamic to be like, Oh, like, Oh no, now that I can't do this thing, I'm definitely going to want to do it (laughs) 10,000 times more. So it just, yeah. And I also, I wanted to mention too, the side stories of like, um, well, actually, no, maybe I'll put a pin in that because that's kind of the end. I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, yeah, sure. No. (laughs) We still have like 75 more characters to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We'll we'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to it. We can talk about my favorite flaming redhead, Cassie. Yes. If I could pick a character to be my best friend, Mm -hmm. Cassie would be the best friend. Love her. Love Cassie so, so much. Cassie and Tom make me laugh so hard because they are also kind of like Anne. Like, they are just getting there. Like, they just figured it out together. And so, (laughs) especially the part where they're, like, in their room. And I think it might have been Allie calling her over and over and over again. And so, like, she answers on her phone and is like, leave me alone! And then, like, hangs up. And then they call Tom. And Tom, like, takes his arm out of the rope to answer the phone. I was like, stop it. Stop it right now. And the look on her face. I was like, yeah, that'd be me. That'd be me right there. I cannot tie knots to save my life. (laughs) They have, like, such... They have, like, the casual aspect. Like, I feel like Allie and Lisa are very much hardcore hardcore into it. To the point where I'm pretty sure that Lisa is an unreliable narrator and kind of embellishing a lot of things. That's one of my favorite True. things where it's like, um, you see really happening. Allie reading through and she's like, that is not what happened. I, yeah. You're making it seem like I'm a hoarder or something. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so I know that this is a little bit played up just for the, the, sh- the shits and giggles of it. But at the same time, it feels like even if it is toned down a little bit, there's still to the point where they're like buying all this like gear and stuff and then there's Cassie and Tom over here where it's like yeah we tie each other up sometimes <laughs> sometimes we try to yeah Cassie's okay. little bit with the not my favorite thing in the whole the whole book my favorite repeating bit she'll she'll get there eventually i'm sure i have faith in her but <laughs> she's, she's she's oh my god i i hope she doesn't cuz every time she explodes it's my favorite True, true. She's so fun. She's so funny. I love their relationship. I one of my favorite scenes is that last time that she that they call her and she says rot in hell and her, her speech bubble is just like a, a giant skull. Yeah. It's it's so fantastic. Love it. Love it. She's the angriest faces, but they're also they're like adorable. She's like adorable yeah. angry. Yeah. Cause she's just so cute and like a fun person too so you mm-hmm. can tell like it's like one of those friends when like when they're angry at you you can't help but laugh because you know they're not really angry yeah because their anger's not real <laughs> she's like the screaming baby Groot because she's yeah. like oh that's adorable it's true it's true oh. and then Tom is just like a big he basically he kind of reminds me of Jason Manoa in a little bit of a way and I said they snuck Aquaman in here too damn oh, Anne really did sneak us with this one <laughs> I got everything. By the way, um, Sage did draw an arc of Aquaman. So that was the time I won. Shit. (laughs) I'm like, there have only been a few handful of times in comics where it's like the stars have aligned perfectly to give me everything that I want. 
And that was definitely one of them. <laughs> I got Stapon Sage to draw Mera, and that was just he 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 does the redheads justice. He does. He, he does. does do the, is his wife a redhead? Maybe. I don't know. Do we know? I I don't know. There's there's a picture of her at the end of volume one. <laughs> Anyways, um, what do you think? There were some other smaller characters through the books. Um, yeah. What? We just got off the funniest one. Do you want to get to one of the more tragic ones? Do you want to talk uh, about Marion for a second? My okay. Trigger warning. Not really a a light trigger warning. This is the scariest shit that I've ever read. <laughs> I, li- I had to put the book down. I had to put it down. I was like, because <gasps> it's it's so scary because it could, it is so, I'm sure it is a reality for so many people mm-hmm. that this type of scary shit has happened. But, and she's such like, mm-hmm. okay, let me start yes. from where I want to start. Um, Marion is a character that we are introduced kind of in the middle Right? Like, third um, volume? volume? two. Volume two. two. Okay, volume two. They all bled together. I read them all at once. <laughs> um, but she is Alan's ex-girlfriend, right? And mm-hmm. she was introduced into this world by Alan and Allie. And um, we kind of get this look into a little bit of Allie's feelings towards a few things that she isn't comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And it's approached in a very caring way, of course, from Lisa. And she explains, like, we kind of tiptoe around it for a little while. Like, we don't really get an explanation. We don't see why she is has these feelings towards this for, for any specific reason. Um, until she finally like snaps. I don't want to say snaps, but like she finally is like, okay, yes, like I have to tell you. Like this is what happened. And we're introduced to Marion. And might I just say Marion's haircut is the most exciting of anybody's. Oh, it's the awesome. Cruella DeVille mm-hmm. special. Love it. Half Chef's white. Kiss. Yeah, love it. Half white, half black. Love it. And she is just I couldn't help but notice like she was very much like Lisa. Um, in her like mannerisms, the way that she was around the the doms, you could say she's very submissive. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had that personality of Anne. She didn't really know what was going on. She had to be like tiptoed into it a little bit. But she had this experience with Allie that kind of threw her off the deep end I guess you could Mm -hmm. say like really was like oh this is really awesome I really want to go full force into this like she was very intrigued and the way that her and Alan had been doing it before was easing her into it in a safe way because there's a lot that can go wrong with Mm -hmm. things like this it's very dangerous for those who are uneducated and we get like the tell-all peak of the story of where Marion decided to surprise Alan when he was coming home from work and she decided to tie herself up using uh, were they like slip knots? Like the ones that yeah. will like tight they would tighten with pressure. Yep. And basically she tied herself up, put her arms in there, tightened them so that she would just be kind of not fully suspended but her arms were suspended. And we get this terrifying scene of where we realize that Alan is not coming home when he 
usually does. Like he either has another, he, I think he has to stay late for work and we get this scene where we progressively just see her starting to lose feeling in her hands because of this elaborate situation she's gotten herself right. into. Mm-hmm. And we get this um, scene with Allie finding her. And I just could not, I wanted to cry so bad because mm-hmm. even just like you could feel Allie's tension through the story telling it and not even mm-hmm. living it. And she said, like, um, Marion, of course, was begging her to cut her down. Like, please cut me down. Please cut me down. And um, Allie had said, like, she had lost all feeling in her hands. And they were, she she used the word dead. Like, they looked dead. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I could not cut her down. Like, I didn't know if that would be bad for her. I didn't know what to do. And she said she later found out that not doing that probably saved hands because they were able to take the proper precautionary measures when the ambulance arrived and it kind of just put a sour taste in everybody's mouth for mm-hmm. a really long time about it like they all I, I don't want to say scared straight but like they were all like oh my gosh this is yep. terrifying this is what happened we all have to be aware this isn't a game anymore and so it just was so like I could feel it in my soul. I was like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, that is freaking terrifying. And like we just get this panel image of Allie like holding Marion and just like sobbing while Marion's like screaming at her. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I need to take a break. It's <laughs> put the phone down, <laughs> take a lap. <laughs> That's like one of the moments where it like hits you for the first time that the story isn't here to be like purely just like about the good parts of this it's going to take some dives into those deeper aspects which i think is really great because it like there's you know the common like misconception around this book is like it's here to be it's a smut read basically because it's like oh it's that bdsm book that's the the kink book that's the the porn book basically and this is a book that i feel like treats the subject too seriously to ever be considered that i feel like there's moments that are definitely played up more erotic than others but it's one of the only stories that's like they're all dressed something like this and show you that that dark side show you that serious side where it's like hey this is all fun and games but you have to treat it seriously because this is what can happen you know you look at like other stories about similar themes like you look at like 50 shades of gray stuff like this doesn't come up it's just completely um like fantasy like yeah you have like like your rose colored glasses on like they're not going to show you that Mm -hmm. and like this is a very real reality of that Mm -hmm. which is scary and i i would say i've literally never thought about that in my entire life because why would i have i have no desire to do that maybe after reading it but not before (laughs) (laughs) just kidding bad time to make a joke bad time to make a joke (laughs) um yeah it's It's crazy. I think that really helps sell the intent of the story where it's like, we're going to treat everything here very seriously. This isn't for like ogling at, this is a serious breakdown of the fetish, the kink and the people behind it Mm -hmm. that I think doesn't get seen a lot. And that's something that's really cool to me because it's informative. It's like, it plays this very educational role throughout the entire story. Yeah. And it makes them feel more human too. Mm Cause I feel like with, this topic specifically it gets 
it's it's very like oh my gosh mm-hmm. like who are these who are these people like you guys are crazy but in reality it's like no no mm-hmm. people are doing weirder shit okay i <laughs> side note i follow a mommy blogger on instagram mm-hmm. that i know i won't name her but I know her in real life and the things that they talk about on their damn Instagrams, I'm like, <laughs> y'all really like to point the finger at who is the dirtier of everyone. But y'all are talking about freaking grapefruiting. Look that up I, okay. on your own time, I everyone. <laughs> I said, yeah, but all right, you little LDS mommy blogger. What? <laughs> she's like, she like posts stuff like that. And then she's like, Here's our Sunday picture of all of our kids. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> this, this, took a, this took a twist. Okay. Ooh, yeah, they love to point the finger. Everybody loves to point the finger, but everybody's weird. Bottom mm-hmm. line, everybody's weird. There's my, there's my rant. <laughs> it's a good rant. Oh my gosh. It's, yeah. Marion was that turning point in the story for a lot of, a lot of themes. Mm-hmm. A lot of, like, tone, too. And I think that really sets up really going into volume four when things hit the fan with Allie and Lisa, just about how this is going to come crashing down. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but the end of volume four devastated me when I was reading through for the very first time. And it still does every time I read through it. Remind me. It's the, it ends with the scene of Allie coming home and she's like, okay, maybe I can fix this. Maybe we can talk about this. And Lisa had already left and left the note behind. It's, <sighs> it's one of those things where even though you know they still end up together at the end and where even though the spoiler <laughs> spoiler they tell you in volume one it's, it's... i know i know i forgot okay i forgot <laughs> i was and... reading those stories with ali all right come on <laughs> <gasps> and they have the narration where she's like don't worry without this then things wouldn't be happy later on it's still one of those scenes that just hits me in the heart every single time yeah it just stabs you and twists it's like hmm you thought (laughs) you thought but i think it sets up my favorite arc my my favorite little bit my favorite graphic novel of all time which is sunstone volume five where lisa has to win ally back and she does it in the most she want me to i said "Hmm, cake three Three's company. Me and Anne will come. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> it's the... If somebody wrote me stories through the internet to woo me back, oh, <sighs> I know they're lesbians, but I would instantly want to have a kid with that person. <laughs> put, put a baby in me. Ooh. Need me to write. Need someone <laughs> to write me love stories please especially if they're spicy especially if they're spicy i love to listen to those on audiobook (laughs) oh my god i love the first time she reads it she doesn't notice anything until Anne comes over it's like knock knock hello anyone at home read the fucking story again she's like please damn it she's like "I'm i'm saying it without saying it read the story there's subtext the curtains are blue for a reason and then she was like Eyes peeled open. I the way Anne plays babysitter for these two. Oh my it's gosh, just... it's so true. She's like, "You two idiots, get it together." 
get it together. Figure your shit out. Yeah. At the panel where she's like, just like full sized, and they're running around her like little chibi <laughs> versions, and she's just like yes. smiling. She's like, "You, you she's idiots." Like, yeah, yeah. I'm the mother here. I'm the mother. Um. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think about the resolution to Allie and Lisa's story? And I just- loved it so much. Oh, I flipped through that shit so fast mm-hmm. so fast i was like please, 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 please. i forgot i forgot they were together yep. Me. head empty no thoughts <laughs> head empty no thoughts your mind erased the spoilers for you i'm so jealous that's true that's true it's probably because my frantic reading at this point probably because in my mind because we get like scenes of them like quote-unquote in the future like reading mm-hmm. the book of themselves and i forget that they're probably married. Also, she wasn't wearing a ring because she had it on her necklace, damn it. Exactly. She was but carrying around like the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Lord of the Rings. Um, but no, I, I feel like it was done in such a way that was so good. So good. Like, and how it developed um, more than what she mm-hmm. intended in the first place. Like, the conversation that she had with her little Danny Phantom self was... <laughs> <laughs> that took me a second. You know, was... it's so real, though. Oh, my God. You're right. You're right. <sighs> yeah, he is Danny Phantom. That is Danny Phantom. I don't know. Her self-loathing. That was such a good scene. <laughs> that was such a good scene. And it was so real, too. Because everybody has feelings like that. Everybody has those intrusive thoughts. But it's what you take away from them that's important, you know? Because she didn't dive off the deep end. She was like, you are right. Like, I am going about this in a wrong way. I need to change my mentality of this. If I want to show her how I feel about her, I can't have her be the one to tell me. I have to tell her how I feel. And I feel like that's such an important thing because especially as a woman, mm-hmm. as someone who is viewed as the more submissive partner in a relationship, you know, we often, I mean, myself, to use myself as an example, like mm-hmm. I often was like, I'm not going to say anything. He has to tell me he didn't love me and then I'll consider it. But, which is outrageous, you right. know, like, mm-hmm. because Everybody feels like that. Everybody has those thoughts of like, well, what, well, what if, like, what if I'm the only one that feels this way? And so it just was very real to me to be like, yeah, okay. Like, it's okay to put yourself out there. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? She's going to ask you to move out again? No, you're already gone. (laughs) My stuff's already gone. She's already gone. She moved out. She didn't take the cat, but she should have. Oh, I love that cat. I love that, that cat. cat. And, love that and old the lady. old lady who's so the oblivious. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. Oh, you guys have rocker outfits these days. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the, funny. the look on Allie's face when she just walks in is just like, uh. Yeah, she's like, okay. <laughs> funny. But yeah, no, like it's just so, it's so real to the way that they wrote that. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it. I feel like it was the perfect way to portray what they wanted. So that 
final buildup at the end where they meet each other, have the conversation, go dancing, and then mm-hmm. when the music's too loud for them to actually say I love you and she <laughs> yeah. signs it, that was <sighs> that's like that was my that's my soppy romantic ending. Yep. The like that's my I think about all the right time. there. Right? Loved it. Oh, it was just perfect in every way, shape, and form. And then they got married, kids. And then they got married. <laughs> and Lisa and goes lots on to and tell lots of sex. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of sex. Um, and then Lisa goes on to tell their story, but she also tells the story of all their friends, which I think is so yeah. cool. Because we're doing Alan and Anne next. And then after that, we're going to go back to Marion. Marion's <gasps> going to come back. I forgot about that. And she's going to be with this character whose name is Jasper who is described as a cross-dresser in the thing. So I'm curious to see what his arc is going to be. And then I think we're also getting an arc with Harper. Oh, yes, Harper. Yes. We did not mention him. He exists. Harper exists, (laughs) and he's cool. He's He's the really suave, sexy owner of the club. Harper yeah, also did not mention the club. Sorry, everyone. Yep, sorry. Distractions. <laughs> There's just a lot in these five volumes that are it's just. True. They are heifers, that's for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh! Is there okay? So, are there any before we get into like the ending here and get into some of these um, questions that we have? Are there any thoughts that you have about the story that we haven't talked about yet, or that you want to share before we wrap things up a little oh. bit? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, no, I feel like I'm good where we're at right now. Because also, I hate to say it, I did not read, I did not listen to your other episode. I intended to, but I didn't. So I don't know what you guys talked about. <laughs> that is completely okay. Don't tell Dallas. I will not Surprise. tell Dallas. He listens to all of these episodes. <laughs> I I think that's, that's awesome. I I usually don't because I'm like, I was there for the conversation. I yeah, know what I we're talking about. I don't think any podcaster listens to their episodes because we lived it. We lived this conversation. But honestly, Dallas, respect. That's, yeah, you're true. giving Dallas us. Dallas listens to them multiple times. Da- yes. yes. We make fun of Dallas. Dallas is truly the comics collective. He is. He, he puts is. in that. He collects all of our bullshit. <laughs> he puts in the effort. He puts in the love. He's the reason we're here. That's so cool. He's fun. He's fun. If you scroll back all the way to the very bottom of our feed, you will find Dallas in college, and he's really exciting. I'll just put that out for for everyone. They're all still there, and if he listens to this episode, he'll know to go delete them. <laughs> I still haven't gone back. I need to just for oh, shits and exciting. giggles. They already did Lumberjanes. I told him I wanted to do that, and he said we already did. And I said, "What who?" He goes, "Not you." <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do it again. I Roll forgot. it again. I forgot that he had other friends mm-hmm. before us. Jeez. Oh, gosh. Dallas, just such a friendly person. Unbelievable. <laughs> Heaven forbid. How dare he? How dare he have friends? Um, Before we go, we haven't talked about the art at all. What did you think oh, about um, Sage's very trademark style? Well, I... Also, we've read Harleen before mm-hmm. on this podcast, and I loved it then. Love it now. I love that it's like kind of dark, but not really, if that makes sense. Like it was done in a way. Oh, and I also love like the hyper realistic pictures that we would get like of the groups. I loved those. Those were so cool. And 
it's just so fun. Like, I love the use of, they had a very, like, I don't want to say, like, minimal, but, like, very muted mm-hmm. color scheme throughout. Yeah. Which was really fun until, of course, we get Lisa in, like, her flaming red ensembles. And I just love, I just love it. I just love the art so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you bring up yeah you bring up a couple good points the muted like theme there's a lot of red in this book yeah which is great because it's a romance and red is like the color of romance it's the color mm-hmm. of love so i like that that's a constant through most of it and i like i i always equate it to music because i'm a musician there are accented notes in a piece mm-hmm. which like bring these out more than others mm-hmm. and stapen sage is one of the only artists i know who does that in his own work mm-hmm. where he's like I'll, I'm just going to keep at like a basic style for this keep it straight through here but then when there's a moment that he wants to bring out he like punches that accent and it just mm-hmm. comes out hyper HD realistic and you're just like oh that's so cool that's that's so great it's like I want to frame it on my wall and then yeah. take it down every time my parents come to visit <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I, I go to his Patreon and I look at his prints all the time and like it's so gorgeous I cannot justify having this on my wall. <laughs> it's like the fact that I have the calendars are bad enough. But that's all right. No one asks questions, so we're good. Some just months are better little, than others. Just get a little sheet to put over it every just, time. Just get a little sheet. There's I'll be I leave them up mostly, but sometimes there are months where it's like my parents are coming over. I'm like, I'm gonna take this down. Nice. Just so I don't get questions. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Very um true. yeah. It's but I also wanted to say, like, I feel like the use of red specifically, mm-hmm. I don't know, for me at least, I feel like it highlighted more their, like, lust for each other. Okay. Because we also see whenever, we've got a few scenes throughout of them with, like, the flower, like, you know, the picking of the flowers. Mm-hmm. And those pages are all white. And I feel like that, like, he uses white to be like, I am in love with this person. Like, it is more, like, to me, at least, it felt more of, like, the red was, like, their need and, like, their lust for each other because they are in love with each other. But if you, like, broke that all down and, like, got rid of all of their kinks or whatever, (laughs) it's, like, that white, peachy, pink tone that's below all of that, which I think is really interesting. And we only get, like, a teeny little bit of that every here and there. So I don't know. That's what it was to me. But definitely, of course, we do see the red a lot. So yeah, I, I like that a lot. Like red is like the, the passion. Yeah. Right? Like that's yeah. like what they have. They know that it's there. But that white little peachy pink layer mm-hmm. underneath is the one that they don't know is there. I, I love that. Too. That really comes into play in volume five. And I like since you mentioned that that scene where she tells her I love you for the first time, mm-hmm. the background is completely whited out. Mm-hmm. So that 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 adds up. I That checks out. I, I adore that. Yeah, and, like, their little, like, white flowers that they'll pick the little, mm-hmm. like, does she love me? Does she not? She does. They, they do so many of those scenes. And I, I don't know why I keep saying they. It's one person. <laughs> and it's he, him. As far as I True. know. <laughs> he sage, because we can't say sage. Sage's first name. Exactly. He does that so often in Volume 5 where he does, like, these little cutaway scenes. They're just more artsy-fartsy than a lot mm-hmm. of the other scenes. They're more metaphorical. I love the one where they're both, like, holding up little pieces of paper that have hearts on them, but yeah. they're both blindfolded and facing the other way. Yeah. I'm like, like yep, okay. Cinema. This is... <laughs> Get that framed. <laughs> Get that framed. Beautiful. Just mwah, perfect. That's yeah, true. Okay. 
Well, with all that done, would you like to dive into some of these listener questions so we get I everyone's would. covered? Yes, absolutely. Which one? Okay. So all the ones on here you did not do? Question mark? Oh, yeah. When I, I wrote the names above them, it was back when I thought we were doing the episode all together. So ah. I, I signed each person a question. So we can just alternate if you want. If you want to take Perfect. the first one. I can definitely do that. Awesome. Okay. Questions. Okay. Okay. Let's get comic book with the horny month comics and crossover. Which sex criminal do you think would most shine in Sunstone and which stoner question mark would kill it in the sex criminal? Um, that's milieu. 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 Yes. <laughs> All warmed up. Cool. Which bone character would work well in the sex criminals and or Sunstone and which sex criminal and or stoner would be good in a bone adventure? Oh my god. Definitely Allie with a sword. <laughs> you oh know she wants to. You she know she's would, thought about yeah, it. Let her at the, the fantasy at adventure. The, let her at those monsters, the rat mm-hmm. creatures. She'll drop kick one somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Cassie would be fun too, just because she'd be angry all the time. She would yeah. drop kick a rat creature. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> Why do I feel like Alan would be hilarious in Sex Criminals? Because you're right. Probably. <laughs> totally. I was, you know I, he goes to the quiet a lot. <laughs> please. Alan's has definitely come world. It's true. It's true. You're right. You're right. Oh, that would be so, so funny. But which Sex Criminal in the Sunstone universe? Oh, mm. that's... That's an interesting one. I What was um our main character's name? The The main woman. Oh, what was her name? Damn it. Dallas is going to beat us up. <laughs> Dallas is going to beat us up Sorry. for a lot of reasons, but now this too. True. Because um, I think she'd be really great. I think she'd have interesting chemistry with the main cast. Yeah, true. She's very funny. So I feel like I just looked up sex criminals' names on Google, <laughs> which was a terrible idea. Probably to the list of sex offenders in my no, area. Lexi, no. I'm curious if I should look. Oh, her name is Susie. <laughs> Susie. Susie. Oh, Google sex criminals names. Yeah. It's one of those things I didn't realize that, like, that's whenever I hear sex criminals, I think the comic those first. Those are real. Those are real people. I don't. I, I, I keep forgetting that real people think of sex criminals as something different. <laughs> So whenever I just casually drop like, oh, I, I read Sex Criminals last week. It's like, what the fuck's like, that about? What? And you're like, oh, oh yeah. no, it, no, no, trust me. It's not as weird as you think. It's about people who stop time with their orgasms. Wait. <laughs> that's not better. <laughs> that's not better. That's not better. Susie. That's her name. Suze. Um, oh, yeah. It's Dallas' cat's name. Suze. It's uh, Susan. Suze. Oh, oh and okay. For which bone character would work well in Sex Criminals? I have to. It's, um. Is phone bone the um the greedy one? Phone is the main. Phony is the right, right. The greedy one. Okay. And then I don't remember the tall one's name yet. I think it's just Smiley. He's smiley. the only one not named yeah. Bone. Smiley. <laughs> okay. True. So Phony, I think, would be the best because he'd be like, "How do I use this? I'm gonna rob, I'm gonna rob from banks. Just start tying people up and leaving them. <laughs> <laughs> he would have the most fun. But that's my take. That's those are good. Those are our answers. Those are good answers. Oh, that was a that was a group answer. You're a welcome. group answer. 
because they're the right ones. This is a subjective question. This is like Smiley would be exciting in Sunstone, just to say it. Just throw him out there. He wouldn't know what's going on. He'd be a great roommate for Alan. He'd be like Anne. He's the Anne. Anne can hang out. (laughs) Oh, he can go work at the tattoo parlor. (gasps) Oh, can you imagine him tatted up? That'd be so funny. You know he would too. He would. He totally would. So funny. I need that crossover. If <laughs> stay on, if you're listening, please. Smiley in a full leather outfit. <laughs> it's funny. Okay, so you know how Allie has the um the picture of a cat as her avatar. Yeah, yeah. That's. I think it actually comes from an artist who does like furry stuff on DeviantArt. And oh, I, I think that they have this thing like every April Fool's Day where they draw each other's characters. Mm. And there are strips you can find on DeviantArt that Stepan did just for the sake of their like rivalry mm-hmm. where he drew Allie and Lisa as as cat people <gasps> that exists that that cats. is out there in the wild heavens just have to bring that up because that is one of the most fascinating parts about this entire story clearly <laughs> okay here we go on to the long one um <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is from Glenn Probably. I don't think I <laughs> Yeah, this has to be. Yeah. Dear group, including Anne, who was right about the booby comic. Yeah. Forgive the amount of questions. I love this comic. To repay Anne for introducing me to it, I hereby vow to never remind her who holds a certain copy of someone's first appearance ever again. Yeah, this is Gwen. <laughs> this comic. I know. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the first part, this comic features Comics Collective co-host Anne as a side character who does tattoos. Does the collective have any tattoos they wish to talk about? We kind of talked about this last time, but we didn't record it because we just hang out on oh, yeah. the internet. We just hang out. We're like friends yeah, or something. No real friends. <laughs> Anne is my floating head friend. <laughs> I do not have a lower half of my body. Nope. I just... Yeah, just I'm, shoulders. Just a bust. <laughs> All right. Um, I actually may be in the works of one right now. So maybe I'll post that when it gets done. But That's cool. I'm timid, so we'll see. I never used to think about it, but I've been thinking about it so much lately. If you don't get a heart with wings, I will cut you. <laughs> maybe that's okay. On your butt. Honestly, thought about it. <laughs> Kitty mark. <laughs> I eventually eventually will don't tell yeah. my mom she's yeah, not don't listening tell mine either she's not listening yeah we they, told her not to if if they tried to they both tuned out by now yeah true they're gone by now they're, they're out know. of here okay. my mom actually knows she said it's only a matter of time she says i'm her one evil child the one e- <laughs> meanwhile dallas is in the corner just smirking true. He is the worst, like, but he's just good at lying, and I'm he's not. He's good at lying. He's the one, he gets away with it. But He does get away with it. On to the second part. Call me crazy. Okay, crazy. But I think Sunstone and Giant Days are remarkably similar. Both are funny comics with heart, features strong relationships, relatable characters, and a cast where everyone is your favorite. What other comics do you guys think are similar despite surface appearances? Bone. Bone. Bone, I love every single character in that. Like, it yeah. just is, like, deceiving. It's There's... not on the same level, I would say, but... Comics where you like every character are just the best. I think Lumberjanes is one of them. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. um, the last time we were together and we talked about the um, the Backstagers, I oh, think that's one, too. That was such a good book. Oh, that's such a good book. Such a good episode, too, by the I way. Know. If you haven't listened to that one, I guarantee it's 100% Dallas-free. <laughs> 
It's like saying it's sugar-free. It's sugar-free, except it's good. Except it's good. <laughs> except it's good. Um, yeah, I. there are a few others I could probably think of. Oh, Strange Academy. If you haven't read Strange Academy yet. I have not read that yet. It's so good. We I, know. I think we're Dallas. We're doing an episode, right? I was yeah, going to say, Dallas I, I was is, saving it. Mm-hmm. He's definitely going to make us go over it. So I'm okay with it. It's it's fire. It's I honestly fire. also really liked Anna Sunbeam, all of their characters. Also true. Also true. We we had a we had such a solid month in February. We have we've been having, we've been having straight bangers. Yeah. Y'all are welcome. <laughs> Come on, We're on a roll. Y'all can start paying us now. <laughs> True. Come on, let me pay my bills. <laughs> oh my gosh! And finally, number three. Also, the giant days girls would be friends with Allie and Lisa, right? Watch out for Daisy being a dumb. It's always the quiet ones. You're so right. <laughs> Especially when she does drugs. Oh my god. Oh, Daisy, <gasps> no. True. Daisy's sweet, innocent. Daisy goes. And you, you, Daisy's the one who's like, what's BDSM? And then, like, two months later, she's like, just full like, leather. Full leather. <laughs> and you know, Esther would tie herself up on accident and get left somewhere. She's like, this was not a smart idea. Yeah, she was like, mm, maybe I shouldn't tie myself up. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> Okay, um, finally, four. No disrespect to the sanctity of the safe word, but what's the funniest one you can think of off the top of your head? My offering is vegan nuggets. <laughs> oh, I completely forgot that I'm this one was going to be asked. because we have one. If you're comfortable sharing. Of course I am. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's flamingo. Flamingo. Because Carson is scared of them, so oh. I thought it was hilarious. Don't tell anyone that he's scared of that. Okay, hundred of you. Trust me, it's just between you and me and everyone listening. He doesn't have Twitter. <laughs> Perfect. Keep if, it on Twitter and we'll be fine. But yeah, he is terrified of them because he got chased by one when he was really little. Oh no. And it like pecked his head. So A killer flamingo. Great, yeah. Great. <laughs> but yep, there's mine. Oh my gosh. Um, my what's the funniest one? I, I Captain Carrot. I'm going Captain Carrot. <laughs> My favorite DC character, Captain Carrot. Love it. Gotta love it. Oh, watch out, future partner. Um, <laughs> next one is you. Oh, true. Okay. Hey, you wonderful people. Hope your week is going well. Here are my sunstone questions. Sage has shown he has that he is an amazing. Whoa, that he whoa, draws whoa. amazing outfits. He draws amazing outfits. Sorry, I just like had a stroke right there. <laughs> could not it's read. okay. Oh, he draws amazing outfits. If you could have any comic artist design your wardrobe, who would it be and why? Mm, crowded. Our lovely oh, friends from they Crowded. Would be so good. They could dress me the way mm. that she dresses. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm just. I said that on that episode too. Yeah, that's such a solid choice. Um, I need to go back and look at the um, all the designs for the the X Men Gala mm, and figure out who yeah. draws the best one. Oh, um, like probably Russell Dodderman because I think of every time he draws Emma Frost, I'm like, mm-hmm. that's that's the good shit. Mm-hmm. I could get behind that. So, uh, uh, there's a part two to this also. If yes. Sunstone were to Sunstone, good. Reef, I need to go to bed. If Sunstone were to be adapted, what format would you choose and why? 
adult uh, cartoon like Rick and Morty. Cartoon like Rick and Morty. <laughs> same style, same faces too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I don't think that I don't want like the way that Alice feels about Saga being adapted. That's the way I feel with Sunstone. I don't want it adapted. Just leave it. Just leave it. Because I feel like the moment you take it into another into different media, I feel like people are going to try to play up the sex aspect for the way it That's so often true. is in other media. I don't think I've seen like a film or a TV show that tackles sex anywhere near as like maturely and seriously as this book does. Because it's sex is used to sell when it comes to a lot of other media. And I don't want Sunstone to become that because I feel like without careful hands, it becomes the thing that a lot of people think it is now. And mm-hmm. that is, that's no bueno for me. No, thank you. That's a really good point. So if I had to choose, probably like an HBO show, but like, I'd rather not. <laughs> please leave no. Leave it as it is, please. Leave it as it is. Oh, and that was, let's see, that one was from Ed. Thank you, Ed. Yes, Ed. Sorry, I forgot to read that. It's okay. I'm bad at reading questions. Nobody should give me this job anymore. I will not give you this job anymore. And that's okay because we only have one left. This one is from Dan. Hi, everyone. Hope you all had a fantastic week. (laughs) Thank you, Dan. This is one of those rare occasions where I actually read what you're covering on the podcast. So hooray. Thank you, Dan, for doing your homework. That's awesome. When did you find yourselves clicking with the book? What part of this book made you feel like you could connect with the story and its characters? And what moments did you feel hit a little too close to home for you all? Thanks for your attention. Okay, that one's a stretch, Dan. That one's a stretch. (laughs) Attention. Attention. Have an <laughs> awesome with day. A southern drawl. Southern drawl. <laughs> oh, so, Lexi, what was the moment you felt yourself clicking with either these characters or this book? Uh, I would have to say, I think when they both realized that they were starting to have feelings for each other. Like, mm-hmm. it was really fun in the beginning of just like, oh, they figured it out. You know, like, cool. It's just kind of, I don't want to say like it was just another comic, but like, I was like, yeah, okay. It's building itself up. Like, you could tell like it was getting somewhere. Um, but when they both were like, I think I'm falling in love with this girl. I was like, oh, yes, you are. This was a lovely change of events. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. I, like, for me personally, I clicked with this book, like, immediately. Because when I was, like, reading through it the first time, sex was something that was still, like, very mysterious to me, very ambiguous. It's like, no one would talk about it. My, my like, puberty talk is my parents handed me a book, and they're like, read this. And I'm like, okay. And it's just, just, like, a very straightforward explanation for a lot of things. I'm like, this leaves me with a lot of questions still, but I feel like I can't ask those questions now. So I'm just going to sit here and simmer. And reading this book for the first time, it has that realization of like, oh, other people think about sex too. Other people have these thoughts too. And I clicked with those characters right away. Lisa was a writer too, which really helps. So their journey of self-discovery was relatable the first time. And then reading it back uh, the second time, it was still relatable, but for a different reason. Because it reminded me of the journey I went through finding out that I was trans. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, I have all these thoughts, but I didn't have anyone to talk to them about. But then the moment I start talking to someone about them, I start realizing other people feel the same way and that there's Mm -hmm. like people out there like me. And that's a very relatable thing through this whole story. Just one of the reasons why this is my favorite book of all time. So. It's a good reason. 
it's a good reason. I actually in my um my notes too because I took a lot of notes for this book. I I took a couple of um screenshots of some narration that hit real hard, and I so one of them is. So Anne did what many at some point do when we get hit by a crisis of self-image. She tried rationalizing it, which hits really hard (laughs) because that was me through like my entire teenage years struggling with the fact that I was a woman, but unable to find the words to say I'm a woman. It's just like, oh, just everyone, everyone, every guy goes to bed every night imagining what it'd be like if they were in a different body. That's just an every guy thing. That's little baby Anne. Poor little baby Anne. She had no one to tell her otherwise. So bottled up a lot of things for a long time. But we we got there in the end. It's fine. We got there. We figured it out. And also the moment where Anne relates so much to Sarah in the stories. That was also relatable. Because I think that's what I did to Anne at some point. Because mm-hmm. I took the name Anne because of this book. So... Very, very relatable for me. So a lot of things in here did hit pretty close to home. That's awesome. That's so awesome. I love that so much. Thank you. Uh, That's my, that's my little spiel. This is just such a good book and I could Mm -hmm. go on for hours and hours and hours, but we Everybody just needs to get over their stupid little feelings. It's fine. (laughs) Tits aren't scary. Tits aren't scary. They're quite fun. (laughs) They're actually kind of nice. Thank you. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Especially because ninety percent of people on that listen to this podcast like them. All right. Yeah. So get over it. Get over it. Go, go enjoy the titty book because it has really nice messages about love and romance and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Wholesome. Wholesome. Anyways, we need to wrap this up because we actually are going straight from this into recording our episode for this week, which is Batman Year One. So Mm -hmm. when you're done listening to this, make sure you go check that out if it's out. So just go click it. Just go, go click it. Probably go released on the same day. Probably released, because that, that's how it'll work. That's true, um, yeah. So we don't keep Dallas waiting for us any longer. Would you like to start us off with our outro? Absolutely, everyone. All right, buckle up. If you like this show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account, at CMX Collective, or you can find each of us at Dallas underscore comics, at Aaron Comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review. And we'll read it off on the show if you do. So that'll be awesome. Yeah, please do that. So please do that. So we can actually keep that in our outro. Yes, start bags. <laughs> Every time just I look up at Dallas and Dallas is just like, nope. Nope, none. None. Not we don't week. have any fans. But <laughs> finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And see you next week for our episode on Batman Year One. And by that, I mean see us in like two minutes. So yeah, come pay us a visit. Talk about that weird Gotham furry for five minutes and it'll be fine. Yeah, we'll we'll get through this. We'll get there. I'm glad we We did this one first. Get us the energy for the next one. It's true. It's true. Okay. Well, bye everyone. See you later.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Comics Collective. Normally, we're on here talking about a certain graphic novel run each week, but no, this week, it's just me doing a special episode with my friend Fellhound talking about her upcoming Kickstarter, and we love you. So, hi, Fellhound. Welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, first of all, thank you. I am so stoked to be talking to you about and we love you and Commander Rao. Uh, so my name is Fellhound. I am the creator of a one-shot called Commander Rao, published by Scout Comics. It is a, a dystopian sci-fi action comic about a rogue commander who goes on this warpath to fight a tyrannical baron. And uh, you might also know me from a couple anthologies, such as Project Big Hype, um, Project Starless Daydream, or Yule uh Christmas horror anthology, and I was also the editor on a recent uh, comics anthology called The Color of Always, which was a queer love anthology. And you might also know me just because I like to draw a lot of sword ladies on the internet. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how I found you, but that should surprise no one. <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. You've got, you need to send me the, um, that link for the Yule um, horror story one, because that sounds absolutely fantastic. I need to check that out. Oh, yes, absolutely. That was um, curated by my friend Grant Stoy, who is also a wonderful comics creator. He created a comic called SideQuest, which is also very, very good. If you like D&D and fantasy. <laughs> I am, I'm getting into D&D this year. That's like, that's been like my goal for like the last six months to get into D&D. And now I have like three or four campaigns going at once. So it's like, I just jumped in head first. I cannonballed in. So, you know, no slow start for me. That's the best way. It's like once you right. dive in, you start collecting, you know, you know, you start with a couple of minis and then very soon you'll be covered in minis and like games and books and everything and podcasts. Oh God, so many podcasts. <laughs> oh, I am always looking for stuff to take up my time. So yeah, it's... <laughs> It's been a blast. I have a copy of The Adventure Zone right next to me right now that I'm trying to get through, and it's just been fantastic. Oh, that's but, so good. Yeah, speaking of comics, so I I like to do, um, you know, a little bit of, like, the secret origin. How did you get into to comics to begin with? What made you fall in love with the genre, the medium? Uh, yeah, so my, my journey of how I got into, I guess, uh, reading comics, first of all, um, there used to be this sh uh, show called Gargoyles from Disney, uh, Disney Gargoyles. Yeah, it's like a beautiful animated show. And I think it got canceled after two seasons, and I was really upset. And then a couple of years later, I found out that they actually continued the series in the comic books. So I like literally scoured the entirety of the GTA trying to find these comic books, and eventually I found them. But along that wonderful journey, I discovered you know a bunch of other comic books. And one of the ones I picked up was Batwoman Elegy from J.H. Williams and Greg Rucka. And that comic just completely blew me away. Like, the art style was so different and so vivid. And I don't know, like, I've never seen comic art like that before. I always used to think it was just, like, you know, pictures in boxes. And then the way J.H. Williams did it, it was just, I don't know, it just completely blew my mind away. And I think that was kind of the comic that got me into comics, that made me kind of fall in love with the medium. Like, I've always liked writing stories, and I've always kind of you know, counted myself as a writer first, but after I picked up that comic, I was like, wow, like this medium is amazing. You can do so much with it. And then from then on, I kind of slowly started teaching myself how to draw. Like I was 19 at the time. I couldn't really draw. I've never really right. drawn much before that. <laughs> so yeah. And then from then I just practiced a lot and then uh, 
eventually started trying to make some comics that looked passable. Because <laughs> some of my early art wasn't that great, but eventually we started making more and more comics, and now I'm here. <laughs> Well, awesome. That's fantastic. And I can definitely say you've definitely reached beyond passable at this point. These comics are both beautiful. And I can definitely, that J.H. Williams style, I can see it in a lot of your spreads. There's some very unique layouts in here that I really, really liked. So yeah, that's completely awesome. Um, so the book we're here to talk about today, um, first off, is um, And We Love You, which is your upcoming Kickstarter, which launches on the 16th. Am I correct? Yes, February 16th. Awesome. And can you tell us a little bit about just the story of that and how that spawned out of your other comic, which is um, published and you can pick up right now from Scout Comics, Commander Rao number one, which is just a one shot comic, which is absolutely fantastic. I recommend everyone go and pick it up because it's just absolutely beautiful to look at. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, so And We Love You is a dystopian war comic about a young soldier named Julie who perishes on the battlefield and starts bleeding out all her memories. So it's it's a bit of a, almost like a darker, grimmer tale about war and the and death and kind of the, almost like the poignant but wasteful aspect of war. Mm -hmm. um, and it really goes into like this one soldier's pretty much entire life story, just as we see it kind of bleeding away from her. Um, and that story kind of, it's funny because that act story actually came about before Commander Rao and before anything really, like I've had this idea since 2013. And back then it was a four page comic called The Girl with Technicolor Blood. And back then I couldn't really draw it that well. So I tried to, you know, I attempted a version of it. It didn't look good. Uh, I tried drawing it again, 2015. Still didn't look good. And then eventually, once my art got better, I really wanted to attempt this comic again. But I don't know. I just, I felt like I would have, I guess, trouble sort of marketing this kind of comic because I knew it was a little darker and I wasn't sure how people were going to respond to it. So I decided that I would try to make something else first and try to just level up my comic skills. And then I decided to make Commander Rao. And when I was making Commander Rao, I realized that it was also kind of a dystopian war comic. And We Love You was a dystopian war comic, so why not just put them in the same world and have it kind of mixed together? And that's how those two ended up together, actually. Uh, so in Commander Rao, we follow the journey of this uh, of Commander Rao, who is uh, this commander who goes rogue and goes on this giant murderous warpath against this tyrannical baron. And we see that Commander Rao had, like, a very, very close relationship with this other soldier named Julie. And Julie is the main character of And We Love You. We kind of go back a decade before Commander Rao, and we see Julie's journey. And we see Julie's relationship with the young Commander Rao, whose name is Casey. And we just kind of get to witness that story, but from Julie's perspective. Yeah, that's, that's such a cool thing to me. Because I just, um, I read through Commander Rao for the first time today. And getting to read that and then going back and looking at these preview pages that you sent me for And We Love You, it makes the whole thing feel so much more real because Commander Rao feels like it's, you know, it's its whole story in and of itself. But it also feels like, you know, with any relationship story, there's another side to it. And getting to see that from the perspective of And We Love You has been really, really cool. And I just have to, right off the bat, I have to say, 
If anyone out there listening loves comics that tell stories in very unique and original and new ways, you're definitely going to want to check this book out. Because what Fellhound has done here, with just the framing of the story, is absolutely, it's beautiful. Like you said, it is it is sad. It's a, it's a war comic. It's a dystopian book. And it centers around death and loss. But there is a lot more to that here. And it's, um, <laughs> I just, I can't get over how cool it is to see someone's like life kind of like bleeding away and at the same time just their memories just leaving them and it's just it's so poetic to me i I love stuff like that that's like that's where i live especially with like indie books that's just so where did that idea come from i have to ask yeah so it's a um so it's a how do i explain it there's like multiple influences behind why I chose to do that comic in that style. Um, I guess, first of all, I would have to go back to kind of my inspiration for the comic in the first place back in 2013. So I was in high school back then. And I think one of the things that a lot of people used to say about me was that I was a really quiet person. I never liked to talk about myself. In some regards, I still am a really quiet person, but I don't know. I felt like there were always things I found uh, difficult to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. And then also in 2013, uh, my grandma got cancer and that was obviously really sad. And it was, I guess, like a really difficult thing to witness. Cause it's like, I don't know, like the best way I could describe it was that you kind of, you really do see like the color and the life just fade away from a person. And it was like a really, a really depressing time. And I just didn't know how to communicate it or effectively talk about the feelings that I was going through witnessing that. So, you know, as a writer, I decided I would maybe write about it. And that comic ended up, uh, I ended up making The Girl with Technicolor Blood, a.k.a. And We Love You, um, because I think in a way I was trying to communicate that feeling of just like witnessing the color fade from someone and seeing all the colorful memories that you've spent with them just kind of fade away and in regards, I think that was just really me trying to communicate that feeling because I didn't know how to do it in words, but I felt like I could do it in art if I had that help. So that's how that um, the whole memories aspect came about, just trying to communicate a difficult feeling, I guess. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's truly powerful. And I have to tell you that that feeling does come across very well. It's a very heavy comic and it's just it's one of those things that makes you think, you know, because it's, you see um, acts of violence, like what happens to um, Julie Rao in the story happen Mm -hmm. to so many different characters throughout so many different stories. And so often it's just kind of like passed on. And there's a theme that goes through um, Commander Rao of just people being forgotten. Because one of the reasons that um, your character Casey takes up the name Commander Rao in that one is just so people won't forget about Julie. Mm -hmm. And to see um, just the consequence of taking a life because you get to see everything this person has done and realize that their existence is more than just this one moment and to exactly. see all of that play out over s- several pages because I'm, I'm I'm with the rest of the people listening I don't know how the story ends just yet I haven't seen the whole thing and I'm very very excited to it's um I cannot sell you enough on the emotional weight of the story and how much it made me feel in just 11 pages so very, very excited to see the rest of that goes. I think you did a really fantastic thing here. Oh my gosh, thank and you. I, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was really kind. Um, I, I am glad the emotions got through. I think that was one of the aspects I really wanted to 
the nail home. Like, you know, I couldn't sell the story the way I wanted to in a personal way if I couldn't sell the emotion. So I'm really glad that that kind of worked out. And you make a good point about the whole, I guess, theme of forgetting. Um, there was this uh, documentary I saw, I think it's called They Shall Not Grow Old from Peter Jackson. And it was pretty much about World War One and about how like war was kind of, you know, there was war going on, all these like 16 year old kids assigned up because they want to fight for their country and they didn't really know what they were getting into. And so, you know, they were on the front lines and the trenches and, you know, they're just talking about the horrors of it and how, you know, the people who did survive when they went back home after dealing with these horrors, they had trouble kind of communicating it to people because the people back home didn't realize how bad the war actually was. And there were so many stories that you can, I don't know, like, I just was thinking about those kids who, like, died in the trenches and how, like, none of their stories could have gotten told. And I think that was one of the aspects I wanted to highlight in And We Love You. It's like, this isn't just, like, a number. This is person isn't just, like, a soldier who was a statistic who died in a war. This was a real person with, like, this whole life and this whole life that they could have lived. And all of a sudden, it's just gone. Oh, it's... It's heartbreaking, but it's, you know, it's a story that needs told. And it does fit very well in conjunction with Commander Rao. Those themes do carry across the stories. Can you tell me how, like, just from a creative aspect, you approach these two stories differently? Because I feel like Commander Rao was very much an action-focused story, which has some incredible, incredible artwork showing really dynamic scenes in it that I love so much. But this one seems to be going more for that personal angle and a lot more quiet moments, a lot more emotional moments. So how did you like um, approach that differently in your mind? Yeah. So to be completely honest, I think when I made Commander Rao, I Commander Rao was one of those, I think, sleeper hits to me. Cause when I made it, I wasn't really thinking that it was going to blow up and be more of a thing than it actually was. Um, the comic I made before that, do you believe in an afterlife? I think, you know, it did okay. I think it sold like 50 copies when I was trying to sell it on Gumroad. And I didn't really have that big of an audience back then. So when I made Commander Rao, I approached it like, okay, you know what? I wanted to make one more comic so I can build up more of an audience. Um, I really needed to practice fight scenes for my portfolio. So I'll just make something that will, I don't know, I guess like an action comic. <laughs> and then I'll use it to kind of practice, you know, marketing and getting myself out there and selling a book. And then in my head, you know, and We Love You has been there for so long. I've always thought about that comic, even make, making Commander Rao. And one of the reasons I wanted to, I guess, put the two books in the same world was because, you know, I, I was, I guess I was worried that And We Love You wasn't going to sell because of the concept. And I felt like people wouldn't care about it unless I introduced the character of Julie somewhere else to make people care about her. And I don't know why. I was just overthinking things. So I was like, okay, I'm going to introduce this character in Commander Rao. But I'm not going to tell a lot about them so that people will pick up And We Love You and learn more. And that was kind of why those two stories are told the way they were, because functionally I wanted different things from them. Uh, you know, I've always intended Commander Rao to be sort of an action comic because I want to practice fight scenes. And then I want to make And We Love You because I wanted to, you know, tell this really personal tale about death. And then they just kind of <laughs> mesh together because I guess... Yeah, I was just trying to, like, fully, honestly, I was just trying to market the books as best I can. I felt like I could do it better together than if I did them separately. <laughs> and I never expected Commander Rao to actually, you know, get as far as it did, to be completely honest. So, yeah, here we are. <laughs> right, awesome. 
Yeah, and I completely understand that, especially as an indie creator. I know it can be so hard sometimes just to like get people to pick up the book. And I'm so glad that you were willing to come on and talk about it with us. And um, yeah, it's I can definitely see what you mean when they're two, you know, the two different approaches, because just the way that um, and we love you is being told is so different, you know, in a paneling way from Commander Rao. It's just it feels like two stories in the same universe being told with two completely different lenses, if that makes sense. And I think that's really unique that you can get that variety in the same world. I think it fits really well. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad that actually worked out. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of the other things. Um, I talked to you a little bit about it. It's just focusing on using, you know, the blood leaking out of the main character in And We Love You as like the, the framing device for the story is something that I feel like can only really be accomplished in the medium of comic books. And that was something I want to, what's the, um, what's the challenge in that? Like what was the, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. What was the most challenging aspect of that? And what excited you the most about that? Well, the most challenging aspect was probably all of it. Cause <laughs> the layouts, I mean, I'm so glad they look good, but they were really, really hard to figure out. Like layouts, I don't have actually that much experience in comics. It's not like I've been doing this for years. And We Love You is like maybe the third full-length comic I've ever drawn. So layouts don't really come naturally to me. At the same time, I've kind of like drawn this like twice before. So I kind of had an idea of how they could potentially be laid out. But honestly, making those layouts was just a lot of trial and error and a lot of bouncing back between my editor, Frankie, being like, hey, can you tell what the read order is? And he'd be like, you draw a line, be like, does it read like this? And I was like, no, it's not supposed to read like that. Okay, let's do that again. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I do use a variety of layouts in the book. You, you do have the blood borders in some of them. Uh, I do go to some simpler layouts in the book later on, just to... Um, so I can kind of fit all the storytelling in, but you know, I think the greatest challenge was just trying to fit all the story that I could while utilizing this kind of uh, more unique format that I've never really worked in before. <laughs> right, and it's something I don't think a lot of people have worked in before. I I truly think this is the first time I've seen something like this in a comic. So I think that's really great that so early on you're attempting something like this and pulling it off as well as you are. So I think that's definitely something commendable. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, but that's, you know, from the artistic perspective, what is your um, focus in the story as it comes to the character? Because there's a lot about Julie that we don't get from Commander Rao because the focus is, you know, completely on um, Casey, our, our lovely head case. And, um, <laughs> Just there's a lot about Julie that remains untold. So can we get any sort of like hints about what we're going to see about Julie's past life in this one? Anything to expect? So I think Julie's main theme is that Julie is a character who has always felt alone and abandoned. She didn't come from a good family. She didn't really have that great of a life before the war. And she is essentially like, I don't want to say tricked, but like, you know, when you have nothing and the army comes to you and goes like, you can have everything and you can be a hero, that sounds really enticing to you. Because, you, you know, you have nothing before. Nothing can be worse than having nothing. So she signs up for this war, not really expecting kind of the things she's about to see. She's not really expecting all the 
things that she would go through, good and bad. Like, good, she met Casey, but bad, there's horrors of the war. So I think one of the main journeys is, you know, Julie coming to terms with opening up to people around her and trying to let some of the good things in while surrounded by all this death and misery and trying to let go of the feelings of her kind of loneliness and mm-hmm. embrace, you know, the, the, her relationship with Casey and we get to see how that blossoms. But yeah, at the end of the day though, it is a tragedy, you know, from the first few pages, we know what happens to Julie. So I think there also is kind of like a, you know, almost like a, like you said, like a Shakespearean poetic tragedy to it where no matter how much you want something, unfortunately fate says something else. (laughs) Oh yeah. That isn't that the truth, especially these two who are, by the way, very cute. I love them both so much. And it's, it's very, very sad what happens to them. No spoilers for um, Commander Rao, but it's, it's definitely in the same vein. It's definitely something that, you know, it's going to take a little bit out of you, but for all the right reasons. And that was um, also something else I wanted to ask you about is um, just um, these two characters. There's a thing. It's always hard. Um, I need, First, I need confirmation from you. Are these um, two characters, because it's kind of like really hinted at in Commander Rao, are they in a relationship together? So we explore that in And oh. We Love You a little more. It's kind of, um, you know, you have these two people. I'll, I'll be right after that. They are queer characters. Like, both of them are queer. And you have these two people who are clearly in love with each other. But they're also, like, on the front lines of a war. So it can't, they don't, it's not like a traditional romance. You know, they don't go on cute dates and hold hands everything. But it is love. And it is pure. And their relationship is something you know, not even the worst of the war can take away from them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not as simple as, I guess, are they in a relationship together? It's kind of more complicated than that. But have no doubt that these two are very much in love with each other, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. So I mm-hmm. want to ask, like, approaching queer characters in comics was there anything that you um want like when you set out to make this was there anything you set out to do specifically with these characters given how dark the story is like was there anything you're like i can do this i can't do that or how do i want these characters to be seen and to be depicted was there anything like that that went through your head i mean it did a lot to be honest and most of it i think was just my worry because you know they, these are queer characters, and I'm sure any, any queer person in a queer space looking at media knows that there's this trope about, you know, the, the dead gays trope, where, you know, in the past, a lot of queer characters have been met with a lot of trauma and a lot of death, and, you know, I knew making this story that it was going to be a story about death and trauma, unfortunately. Um, but at the same time, you know, I didn't want that kind of set up to get in the way of the story that I wanted to tell. Like I'm a queer person and I get sad, you know, I, I've witnessed death in, in my life and I, it's, it's hard to talk about. And this was a story that I really wanted to communicate. And so I guess naturally it just became a story about, you know, queer characters and death. <laughs> so it's not like I set out being like, I'm going to kill off these characters because right. I'm statistic. It's like, it's kind of just what came naturally to me as a queer person who has dealt with death. Mm-hmm. 
So that is kind of how, you know, I, I guess I kind of overcame that mm-hmm. and why it's a little bit darker. But mm-hmm. yeah, at the end of the day, I guess I'm just trying to tell the stories that I want to tell. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. It's it's one of those things, it's always hard to deal with. You know, it's that, that line you have to the toe and I think you do it very very well here it's because it doesn't feel like it's a celebration of the characters like misery so much as it is their their love and their lives and all the beauty that was held within that and them coming to terms with their own grief and their own trauma especially in Commander Rao that was something that really shone through in that one for me so I think it's something that's I wish more I wish more creatives had the same ability to tell a story with that level of emotional like resonance and maturity that you'd have. So I just wanted to thank say you. thank you for that. That was really cool. Thank you. That that really means a lot. Like I'm I'm glad people are taking it that way and not the other way. So that really means a lot. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's um yeah. There's at the end of Commander Rao, there's a little like um short story and i forget what the name of it is off the top of my head and i apologize for that um Uh, the end of the line i think the end of the line yes and that's like the little bit of time before amory love you starts Mm -hmm. does the question i i guess i have is if there was a reading order once all three of these issues are out is it still best to read commander out first and then get into amory love you or do you think it's going to read differently if you do amory love you first so I did think about that. Um, to be honest, the way I made them was that I, you know, I made them with the assumption that you might have read Commander Rao and End of the Line because End of the Line is really that comic that bridges the two comics together. Right. So I would assume maybe just read them in order. Um, and for future books, I am not sure because I feel like I'm just jumping around the timeline. Like here's the ending, and then here's the beginning, and then here's a bunch of stories in the middle, but. I think for now, if you read them in the order that they came out in, that should be okay. And all the setup you need to get into future stories. <laughs> awesome. And that brings me perfectly into my next question. Cause I was going to ask after these two stories, which tells um two of the biggest parts of both of these characters lives, are there still more stories to tell in the commander Rao universe? Do we think we'll, do you think we'll see some more going forward? Uh, yeah. So I have, I have plans for more comics. Um, awesome. Right now I think, uh, It'll mostly we continue, I guess, Commander Rao's story, um, and we get to go back and kind of see, you know, the stuff between And We Love You and Commander Rao, and kind of deal with her adventures. It'd probably all be one-shots, um, just self-contained stories that mm-hmm. detail little snippets of her story. Uh, one of the things I also want to do is that I had a couple friends who expressed interest in, like, writing some short stories in the Raoverse, so I think it'd be very cool to kind of invite them in and have them play around in the universe. Um... Another thing was that, um, so my friend Kira, who did the prints for the, the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you saw, but it was uh, of Julie and Casey in their casual clothes. And I thought, well, those prints look so good and so cool, and I would just like love to do an alternate universe where, you know, I undo all the war and sadness and just like have them live happily ever after in some regard. Mm-hmm. So like, that's been growing in my head, just like an AU where they could just like live their lives and not be in a war. But that will probably come way down the line after all the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. It'll be like the nice little treat for everyone that's stuck around since the beginning. It's like, okay, darkness <laughs> is done. Let's do the fun thing here at the end just to wrap it up. Just a little celebration. I like that. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see that. Um, 
Yeah, so your Kickstarter for this goes live, two, I believe, two weeks from when we're recording this now, on the 16th, so about a week from when mm-hmm. everyone else is going to be hearing this episode. What do you have to say about um, that project and what people who go to back you can expect from it? Yeah, so And We Love You is a 64-page graphic novella um, about, you know, Julie, who's a girl who, a young soldier who perishes in the battlefield and bleeds out all her memories. Um, and we have some really cool rewards, like we have a pair of prints by my good friend Kiro Komodo. Uh, they've drawn covers for IDW and Image and Skybound. They are an amazing artist, and I was so stoked to have them on the prints. We also have a, a flash fiction tier where Easton Daverna, who is the writer of Samurai Grandpa, Lost Souls, and A Guardian, where he will write a flash fiction piece set in the Ravers for you, if you want it. And there's also a couple of other tiers. Um, I'm putting together like an ultimate Commander Rao collection bundle where you can have pretty much all the merch from my last Kickstarter and all the merch from this Kickstarter and you get both of the stories. So those will be be available. Uh, And I also have a very limited number of commission tiers. If anybody wants a commission from me, you can also get that on the And We Love You Kickstarter. And it launches February 16th. Um, I hope you will enjoy what we have to tell in the story. Uh, oh, I should go over the team for And We Love You. So I only wrote and drew it. Uh, we have Lucas Gatoni, who did the lettering. Frankie White, who is the editor. Uh, Winston Gambro, who did the logo design. And my friend Ricky Lima is helping me out with the print and production because that stuff goes over my head. <laughs> Awesome. I am so excited. I, how many pages did you say it was? Because that sounds fantastic. 64. <laughs> something? 64. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. I can, I'm, I'm ready to put that on my shelf. <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you. I always get a little, little like, um, hesitant buying floppies because I'm like, I'm, I know I'm just either going to rip it or tear it. Or I'm going to put it away and forget where I put it. But knowing that it's like, you know, a solid size book I could put on my shelf. I'm like, yes, at least I know where it is. <laughs> yes. One of these days I'll organize my floppies and everything will be fine. But That's until okay. then, <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic. Um, just here at the, um, as we wrap up the interview, is there a final pitch? Like if you had, I know this is hard specifically for this story, but if you had like a one sentence elevator pitch to get someone interested or to get them to pick up the story, do you have any idea what that would be? A uh, sad gay love story about a girl who bleeds memories. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was like, oh, this is on the spot. Elevator. Yeah, no, sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but <laughs> that was better than I possibly could have imagined. That is the perfect summary. So, Amazing, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, do you have any final plugs or any other projects you're working on right now that you want to give um, some spotlight to? Ooh, let me think. Oh, well, I think I have a couple friends who are running Kickstarters right now. So um, let's see, off the top of my head, uh, Easton Daverna, who wrote, who is uh, doing a flash fiction piece for my Kickstarter, he's also in another Kickstarter right now called The Whole World Blind with uh, Marcus Jimenez, who is the founder of Dauntless Stories. (laughs) So they have a really cool fantasy prose comic going on right now. Um... Another Kickstarter, my good friend Wells Thompson is running this 
really, really cool sci-fi robot kaiju comic called Mechaton. I think they recently just hit funding goal, but it's still on for a couple more days. So if you like kaiju and robots, go back that. Uh, and yeah, and I you know I, well, it'll be over by the time uh, I guess this launches, but Scout was having a flash sale on their website. So if you wanted to pick up Commander Rao, you can do so. And there's really cool variant covers from my friend uh, Jem Rose and my friend Colin Tan, if you want to pick those up. And it'll be the perfect gateway for you to get, uh, I guess, ready for And We Love You. <laughs> that is fantastic. Thank you so much. And to everyone listening, make sure you check out the description where I'll link um, as many of these projects as I can. I'll definitely put a link in there for um, Commander Rao and for your Kickstarter page where you can go and what it's not like pre-backup, but what's the um, when you pre pre-order the back when you pre-order the kickstarter i forget what that's called follow the pre-launch i guess follow we, the pre-launch yes you can follow the yeah. pre-launch awesome. <laughs> sorry words i don't today know no i feel it <laughs> oh but yeah anyways thank you so much for coming on and telling us a little bit about this book i'm so very excited to read it when it comes out Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's super fun talking about this, super fun getting into the process. So I'm happy to do it. And I'm so stoked to be on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime you want to come back to just let me know. And I'll drag, you know, Lexi or Dallas away from whatever they're doing to actually come and show up for once. Yeah, everyone listening, they just completely bail on me. So Dallas, if you're listening to this, don't edit this out. I need people to know what you did. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. That's about all that I have for this episode. Again, thank you so much for joining us. And for everyone listening, make sure you come back and check out the rest of our episodes. I'm not sure what day this is coming out. Dallas is in charge of that. So if this is coming out on Tuesday, make sure you come back tomorrow for an episode with the comic book couples um, counseling on sex criminals, which is going to be absolutely insane. And if it's coming out on the Wednesday that that comes out, check that out and then come back next week when we're talking about a much more wholesome comic, Bone. So with all that said, thank you so much and can't wait to hang out with you soon. Bye. Absolutely. Hmm.